Good morning, everyone. We welcome you all to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject on mind today. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we warmly welcome you all. We'll begin today with our morning prayer. Good morning, everyone. I'm reading from the Blue Book Divinity Course and General Collectania, page 19 and 20. All we have to do is one thing. Keep the first commandment. Thou shalt have none other gods before beside me. Infinite mind. And that is infinite love. There is no evil mind. That sweeps away error. There is infinite mind good. <coughs> Infinity is all. There is no other intelligence, life, or love. Now work out your problem from this standpoint. If we do not keep the first, we cannot keep the second to love one another. If ye love not man, your brother whom ye have seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? You only love God as far as you love man. God is love. And love is infinite. Realize this, and you are safe from harm. Nothing can touch you. Mary Baker Eddy. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay, our watching point. Watch number 84. Watch lest you forget that there's only one mind, and that what we call the human mind is only a humanized limited or distorted sense of divine mind. When one individual absorbs his thoughts from another, that is an illustration of the adulteration of the science of mind, in which ideas really come from God direct to man. Contagious thinking is an adulterated or humanized sense of mind. Science means to reflect and manifest the pure mind of God, unadulterated, carrying with it wisdom, power, guidance, and healing. This means to reflect the ideas of God from him, not from man, and these must be reflected fresh every morning and new every evening. Absorbing a used or second-hand mind is taking on that which has lost so much of its divinity that it is almost mortal in every respect. One believes it is hard to work to apply directly to divine mind for his ideas. As a matter of fact, it is essential that we go to Mrs. Eddy's writings for our right ideas until we are able to reflect them from God directly. Every man's salvation depends on his success in going to God and reflecting his thoughts and wisdom directly from that primitive source. End quote. Thank you. <clears throat> Comments on that? 
mind the ultimate source. Yes. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, <laughs> telling it that that is, that is science, is to get it directly from mind. Nothing else is science, which means nothing else can be relied upon. Be careful who you listen to. <laughs> Go to <God. laughs> well, yeah, that's why it says try the spirits, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, I stood out too is that it said we had fresh every morning and evening, and yeah. sometimes uh, we compare it to truths, and it made me really think about that. That because I mean, that's them just absorbing secondhand mind. That isn't. I mean, unless you do it with feeling, I get and understanding. Thank you. Yeah, this is a, I thought it was such a, was someone just trying to speak? Well, I was just going to say that I thought since I've come to this church, I've learned more that um, I, I often, I, I do a lot of reading and I enjoy that, but I've, it, I've learned since coming here that it's so important to go to God directly. My mind is God and and not to just accept what every the words are to you know to to to, to lift our thought, but then we are to go to God directly, and it's helped me to learn that I I have I can do that too, just like these beautiful you know writers that have these beautiful, not to mention Mrs. Eddie, but articles and things. I'm well, I can get my own inspiration. That's where I they got it from mind, and that's my mind. So. That's that's where I have to get my instruction to. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good point because it's uh, Mrs. Evans used to compare it to uh, tuning your violin versus playing your violin. Yeah, the reading that we do is to tune our violin. It's to get our thought into the right you know, into the right place so that we can go about manifesting God directly. You, you don't want to spend all your time just tuning your violin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought this was an extremely important um, watching point. And, and thank you, Karen, because she takes out sections of it, the most important sections, and puts them, condenses for us. Um, because just as we've talked about mortal and immortal man, you think they're two, and we, we know they're not. There's just the immortal man. So it is with mind. And, and it's so easy to get into thinking that there is this mortal mind. There's only the one mind. And if it appears to be mortal mind, it's just because it's gotten tarnished or, uh, you know, s somehow adulterated, polluted in some way, but there's only the one mind. And this is why we are taught here to keep your your windows polished, so to speak, at night before you go to bed to make sure you're not harboring any unkind or unloving thoughts or un, ungrateful, jealous, all, all the carnal mind thoughts that you're clear of it. So you keep that window pane clear where God can shine through. 
Because if you don't, it gets really, 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 really dirty, doesn't it? And then all you're hearing is mortal mind, and you think you have a mortal mind. <laughs> well, you've just not paid attention to your rightful divine mind. So I, I love this. And it, and it talks about contagious thinking is an adulterated or humanized sense of mind. And isn't that what we see around us? A belief in contagion, contagious thinking, that you're going to pick up all these thoughts. But when you are truly obeying the one mind and communing with the God, with your one God every morning, it's impossible. And you will be very alert to those wrong suggestions. So th this is just a wonderful watching point. I'm, I was so grateful for it this week. Um, it so clearly explains what we are to do. And there's not, it's not like, oh, this mortal mind exists. Mrs. Eddy says that there's no such thing as mortal mind. There's only the one mind. And I, I loved in Linda's blog where she talks about rapport. Linda? Yeah, rapport's <laughs> definition from Webster's is a friendly, harmonious relationship, especially... A relationship characterized by agreement, mutual understanding, or empathy that makes communication possible or easy. And then I love the idea that uh, Keller, when he talks about how he worked with the dog and the communi communication and likened it to us listening to God. Yeah, and, and to be so, have that sense of helplessness, like a sheep. Like a sheep, yes. Like yeah, a, start picturing sheep running the, the church. <laughs> <laughs> can't do anything. So. Totally helpless without it. And it is a prerogative of the ever-present divine mind and of thought which is in rapport with this mind to know the past, the present, and the future, science and health. So this is... But that rapport is interesting that you look that word up because that's what we should all have with our father, mother, God, that closeness, a rapport. And the agreement with it. Agreement yes. with it, yes. Yeah, and Jesus, it's simple. Go ahead, Lawrence. Well, I said Jesus is example, so beautiful. Yes, yeah. He was in rapport with his father and he called him father. You can call him God, at least not very often. It's always Father. And Mrs. Eddy uh, Carpenter tells us she refers to this as the divinity course, where you are getting your teaching directly from God. And, and that, it doesn't just happen. It's not just the waving of a wand and you got it. It, it takes diligence, perseverance. And vigilance. Vigilance. To constantly be standing porter at the door of thought. Because the wrong thoughts are going to try to get to you. It's not like they're just passive. They're aggressive. <laughs> they might fight them off for a season, but they'll come back. <laughs> they'll try. Yeah. I, I, this happened to me a few months ago, and it felt like a really important thing to me. I, I was coming back from the store. And I was opening up my gate and I got this like really intense feeling of sadness. And like instantly I knew it like, this isn't me. I'm nothing about my life is sad. <laughs> you know? And I, I knew it was 
it was just some other thought trying to come in. So thank you. I just, you know, prayed if somebody's really feeling this, you know, it's not Christ true for them you. either. That's yeah, true. that's right. Because you will notice and, and Jeremy knows this too. Sometimes when you do get these thoughts and you don't realize they're impersonal or foreign mm -hmm. to you, they're not your thinking and you go along with them. Well, Later, in, in one instance, he got this letter from somebody who had been thinking about him in a very uh, sad way, I guess you could call that. So, um, but when you're alert to it, uh, then you know, wasn't true for him, wasn't true for this person, wasn't true. But don't, don't accept it. It also happens when you're living with someone. Mrs. Evans would always be talking about this. You can pick up their thought. They don't even have to be saying it. You can pick up what they're thinking, and it can make you th start thinking whatever it is they're thinking. Um, that's why you must be alert and get your uh, messages from God. Once you get used to that, then, then when this happens, you are aware of it. If you're not aware of it, you just are going along um, with think things that aren't truly your th own thought. So, um and it, and, it, and it will come as feelings also. Yeah. It may not come as specific words yeah, like being or thoughts, sad. But, yeah. but you get feelings. You'll pick up, you know. And if, you, if you're not alert, you might think that the feeling is you. <laughs> feeling elated or feeling sad or feeling, you know, disturbed. something disturbed in some discouraged. way. Discouraged. Discouraged, right. Fearful. Fearful. And it's not your feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why it's good to be careful what you say after the I, right? I, oh, I feel so bad. Oh, I feel so tired. Oh, I this, I this. Well, the I, the only I that we are learning to know is, is the I that never feels all these negative things. So not to admit them when Thank they you. come. Thank you. And that was in Science and Hell this week. I thought of Florence mm -hmm. because said that last mm -hmm. week. Fine, the only I or us. Yes, that's right. We have to stay with that. Very important. We keep reminding ourselves. Can't the, say, I am discouraged. Yeah. And, and, and then it follows with the definition of man. Mm -hmm. The definition of you, you are the full representation of mind. Not, not the partial representation. Not, not part mind and part something else, but you are the full representation of that one mind. Therefore, there's nothing that's impossible to you. And so many of you, we hear it in your testimonies, you're proving it. And sometimes, you know, working on a computer or something, you don't know how to do something, and it'll just come to you as to how to do it. Which is wonderful. <laughs> Going back to that, what Karen said about reading a lot. I used to have to research and read constantly before coming here. And that's one thing I found like demonstration is not just doing it well, but it's also only only finding what you need to do it, you know. It's not like what writing a watch. It's not reading all of Watch's Prayers and Arguments. It's going right to that page that you deep that day. That's so. right. And that's why prayer is such a time saver. People who think they don't have time to uh, pray are they're <laughs> not listening to the right voice, are they? 
Yeah, like Judge yeah. Hand. Yeah. Being so busy that he had to start praying four hours a day. <laughs> right. Yeah, four hours a day. That's what Mrs. Eddie says. Were you trying to say something, Uta or Zari? Okay. Well, anyway, so we just... Um, it, it was me, Mary. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I was reading this morning The Nature of God and Man by Herbert Eustace, and I just wanted to share this statement Um Nothing you can say about this man of God is too wondrous. For all that God is, this man of God must be. I just thought that pertained to what we were talking about. Thank you, yes. This is aligning yourself up with God every day, and this is what it is to demonstrate. This is why, you know, when you ask to do things in, in the church, it's a great opportunity to demonstrate your oneness with the Father. And, you know, Luann with her Bible study yesterday, she was obviously listening with inspiration because I've never, uh, you know, thought about those passages in Ecclesiastes as to how they related to Jesus, and they truly do. And we'll have a few more discussions on that. Thank you. And finding that quote, too. All of that comes from quote at the beginning, the unctuous quote. <laughs> All of that comes from listening, communing, fresh. And, you know, you can tell when something is from God because you'll say, gee, I never thought of that or I wasn't thinking about that. It just comes to you like a message or something. Right? Yeah. And it brightens you up. It does. <laughs> and, and I was happy to hear this morning because all the hellos, we're very bright and happy sounding. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm glad. We're in the middle of winter. And, you know, there's a, well, unless you're in Australia, and then it's 102, I hear. <laughs> but for those of us on this side of the hemisphere, it's winter. And and there's a belief it can, you can be dreary in all of this. And also Lent season, which I never knew about before. And Mrs. Ed, Ed, Evan said she never did, too, until she realized, since a lot of mortal thought is in um, mourning and condemnation because of the crucifixion, um, it's in the air here again. Impersonalize it if you're feeling really um, condemning yourself or whatever. It's not your thought. And that's why we handle it, not just for ourselves, but for everybody. Ours is the risen Christ. We used to. It doesn't happen anymore. But during this time on Wednesday nights, what would happen? Get quiet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People wouldn't be testifying. So now it doesn't happen because you all are working and alert and grateful. Thank God. So anyway, I'm very grateful for that watching point. Thank you all. Anybody else want to comment on it? And, you know, in the lesson, the whole uh, part of it, <laughs> excuse us, the whole part of it is very much about seeking wisdom, asking God for wisdom, being grateful, how it's more important than anything else, right? Yes. That, that's the power. That is why our relationship, our rapport with God is the most important thing we have. And this is what you teach your children and know for yourself is why we don't want to get on any kind of drugs that would impair that. 
It's the, it's the most important thing we have. And it's the answer to all our troubles. God, mind, the one mind. So how wonderful to know there's only the one mind and we don't have to try to go out and beat down the mortal mind, <laughs> wherever we think it is, including within ourselves. We were taught here, it's like a, a beautiful Rembrandt painting, um, you know, that's maybe centuries old. It might have some dust and dirt on it, so you carefully take it off, or maybe not so carefully, and then that reveals a perfect, beautiful picture. And so it is with us. So don't ever forget that you have the mind of Christ. If you don't seem to feel it, then just polish up your window pane. Do as this watching point says. Go back to science and health in the Bible and refresh it every morning. Refresh it new. And every evening, make sure you've kept it fresh all day. You'll never lose it. It's yours by divine right. Because that's the science. She explains the science. And that's, that's, that is an invaluable explanation. And it, it says in, in uh, and as she says in the lesson here, acquaintance with the science, which is why we study it first thing in the morning, acquaintance with the science of being, enables us to commune more largely with the divine mind. It enables you to hear better, to foresee and foretell events which concern the universal welfare. You're going to get premonitions. You're, you're going to understand what's going on around you better. To be divinely inspired. Yea, to reach the range of fetterless mind. You'll be able to do things that you never thought you could do. But things which concern the universal welfare. In other words... It, it won't enable you to be more selfish. <laughs> It'll enable you to do unselfish things in a much bigger and better way, which is what you are learning as you do things for the church. You're finding that you're able, you're able to do things more quickly, better, more efficiently than you ever thought you could because you're doing them unselfishly. And this is what people find when they work for the church. So now I'm going to switch a little bit because this is something we've been taught in this church over the years. Um, and it, I, I think I'll mainly call this animal magnetism, but it deals with the beliefs of communism, uh, which is animal magnetism because it's, it's godless. And um, this was written, and it's a newspaper article. It was written by someone, she goes by not her real name because, or his name, I'm not sure, because he escaped communist China. Okay. Okay, you got this one empty. Okay, what? someone's talking and we're going to mute you. Okay. And this I'm giving to you because we need to know the workings of animal magnetism, what's operating and how to handle it, and also how to keep in the one mind. All right? So she says, I came across a YouTube video of a 1985 interview with Yuri 
somebody, a KGB agent who defected into the West in 1970. The interview is about, and I'll say animal magnetism, strategy to subvert the United States. It is an eye-opening, it is eye-opening, and I wish to share a quote from, from him here. He says, okay, animal magnetism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism and American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to the lack of moral standards. Now, this is the KGB agent speaking. As I mentioned before, exposure of true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Even if I shower him with information, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to this place and show him con concentration camps, he will refuse to believe it until he's until he is going to receive a kick in his fat bottom, excuse me, <laughs> when the military boot crashes him, and then he will understand, but not before. That's the tragic situation of demoralization. Now, Mrs. Eddy talks about this a lot. She calls it delusion. Delusion. Delusion is you can present as somebody with a fact, and they still don't believe it. So how do, we, how do you combat that? There's only the one answer, and that is to know the one mind, omnipotent, supreme. No one else can have this false education. It's, it's the mortal mind that's been, well, the divine mind that seems to have been very much tarnished and educated into this. So then it goes on. And you see, in this church, we had to, we read the, the Communist Manifesto. We were taught these things. Why? Because we need to handle them as Christian scientists. Okay. Then it goes on, which I found very fascinating because this was something else we were taught here. It talks about, um, hmm, sorry, finally. Why are intellectuals so prone to animal magnetism? Mrs. Mrs. Evans said the one thing she learned from her teacher was the only thing that it was of value to her was that intellectualism is the bane of Christian, the bane of Christian science. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Intellectuals tend to be fooled by radical ideologies. This phenomenon has drawn the attention of scholars, British historian, Paul Johnson found that radical intellectuals share the fatal weaknesses of arrogance and egocentrism. The ar this arrogance is exhibited in a statement by 19th century French politician and art critic Jules Antoine Castagnari. Quote, beside the divine garden from which I have been expelled, I will erect a new Eden. At its entrance, I will set up progress, and I will give a flaming sword into his hand, and he will say to God, Thou shalt not enter here. End quote. 
Now we have the same thing, right? Well, we, we have God saying, no, you're not going to enter. You, you animal magnetism are not going to enter. So anyway, rapid scientific progress since the 18th century greatly strengthened humankind's confidence in its own ability and fueled the intellectual trend of progressiveness. People started to worship humanist reason instead of God. Reason is believed to be able to lead people to the path of happiness and morality. People want to create a utopia, a paradise on earth, which is the essential idea of animal magnetism. As the pastors of modern science, intellectuals believe that they are the interpreter of truth and their cause is so important that no means are off limits to serve their ends. And this has caused a deluge of blood and misery. What can we do? Two years of experimenting with human pride and reason has led to the declining of morality and the loss of tens of millions of lives due to the ravages of animal magnetism. Founding father John Adams said, and we've quoted this before, quote, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other, end quote. Interestingly enough, a ruthless animal magnetism dictator, Joseph Stalin, echoed his point from another angle. America, this is quote, quote, America is like a healthy body and its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within, end quote. It's time for us to be humble again, look inward, and follow the true wisdom of righteous and spiritual understanding. This is our only solution. So, I thought that was extremely interesting in the understanding of the workings of animal magnetism and what we need to be alert for. And it was taught here, as I said, about intellectualism. Um, people, because you're, you're believing that you have a great brain, aren't you? Oh, your brain is so great. <laughs> it's just wonderful. <laughs> and you can do such great things with this brain. And who needs God? God stands in the way. And people who believe in God stand in the way. And... That's the danger of people who have, you know, become billionaires and think that they know better than God as to how to create this, quote, utopia. But we know better because we know that it'll all fail. These false systems are bound to fail. They have to fail. And, Jeremy, what did you say in a, in a what was it, a class of hypnotism? What did the guy tell you? Oh, um, my senior year of high school, a man came into teach us about hypnotism. And the very first thing he said was, only intelligent people can be hypnotized. And, <laughs> and up until that time, I was always told I was pretty average. So I didn't, I wasn't really phased by it, but everyone else in the class kind of was tripping over themselves to be hypnotized. <laughs> and I, thought that, I was really weird to see that. <laughs> Prove that they were intelligent. <laughs> Well, and it's why, too, that they say a, a working Christian scientist cannot be hypnotized. They, you can't fall for any of this. Why can't you? Because God is in the mind of God. 
How can you when you're alert to what's going on? Exactly. It's impossible. When you know the truth, then that lie can't get anywhere. That's right. That's why it's important to instruct yourself with the truth and instruct your children with the truth. The biblical truths, the, the historical truths, the spiritual development of countries, the truth of it. Not the lies, but the truth. So they can't be easily taken over by this. Um, and the importance that we are supposed to be here proving this. Since we've already proved it, somebody says something contrary, they're like, well, I've proved Christian science. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, unless you can really show me that your way is better, then no, definitely not. Thank you. You've proven it. It's so important to prove it because then you, yeah, you stand strong in it. So. And that's the safety for our children. I think I, oh, sorry. Yeah. What, if they, if, if they can get the truth early and prove it for themselves, then all these other attempts by other systems to get their attention aren't mm -hmm. going to fool them. Yeah. Lawrence? Uh, I think adherence to the God's laws first, and that will bring whatever the history, the good in the history along. So ultimately, it's back to what God's laws are. Yes. And, and this lesson, you know, all the things you say, whatsoever, <clears throat> whatsoever. Sorry. <clears throat> I think uh, patterns, right? A good form, Mary. And I'm sure you're going to talk about it. Yes, I am, right? It's right next. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's one thing. But please the, go ahead, anyone. Isn't it the active Christian scientists? Because those that are just there and asleep, they don't hear the silent thoughts that or feelings that they need to kick out. Right, right. It those had, we it, refer to as the pseudo-Christian scientists. Yeah. Right. If if you are not an active Christian scientist, you are the most easily mesmerized because you believe in in thought power to some degree. You understand something of that. So um, so that's why this is a this is a cherished responsibility we have to be active and working and not just take this lightly. And I like that uh, if you get a little stuck or something, go back to one plus one. You know, what is it? Yes. Just stick to a simple truth, and that will get you through. It will. It will. Which, before we go to Parthens, I wanted to mention um, Louise, which she wrote about, which was, she was grateful to Jeremy for mentioning the book, The Ultimate Freedom by John Wyndham. And before I get into that, I'd just like to say we've been greatly blessed because his son has been a friend of our church, has visited us several times. Um and is a wonderful working Christian scientist in his own right. And he had to take quite a stand because he became independent, an independent Christian scientist. And with a father very much involved with the organization, it was difficult, but he did. And we're, I'm very, very grateful to him and to his support of our church. So, um, but... John Wyndham Sr. had quite an experience. Jeremy? Yeah, he was taken as a POW, and he had 
because he had the science, he, he knew that he had to control thought. I'd love that, that he put that CT on the wall. And um, he had also hidden science and health. Right, it's been a few years since I've read the book. <laughs> but anyway, they found it. And they got to the point where the, the captors realized that this man was um, had clear thought. And it actually kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Joseph being taken by the Egyptians and then rising up because they see, oh, this, this guy thinks clearly he's not, he's going to, it's better to have him in a good position than not. So. Right. And in the Bible story of Joseph, it says that God was with him. They recognized that God was with him. Which they did with this too. With, with John Wyndham. Yeah. And it said the pivotal moment came when he prayed to be spared execution and promised that he would live his life to serve God. This has been the pivotal moment of a lot of people. A lot of people who are here today. Certainly Mrs. Evans would tell us that. And then this prayer brought an immediate and clear direction as if someone had spoken the words. There came the command, control thought. For some reason, I thought he carved it on his palm, but I guess yeah. it was on the wall. Wall, CT. And it's a, it's a wonderful explanation because um, you recall the instruction in science and health is shut the door of our consciousness against evil suggestions in order that it might be open to the word of God. He discerned that controlling my thoughts meant praying, and praying meant thinking truly, deeply, spiritually. From that moment, fearful suggestions, resentful suggestions, hateful suggestions were barred from entering my consciousness. I refused to let them in. This is where you, this is the point you have to reach. This is keeping your, the, yourself in the divine mind. You can't let them in. You cannot. You must not. You must not. Which leads me to one other thing. <laughs> I believe Eaglet gave us this book, The Must of Christian Science. In an article by Paul Stark Seeley entitled Our Father's Demand on Self-Mortality, Mr. Seeley states something, quote, something about the word must. It is not in the concordances to Mrs. Eddy's writings, perhaps because of its grammatical classification as an auxiliary verb, but Mrs. Eddy uses it over 350 times. And then in relation to his article, he adds, quote, she uses it to, to define precisely what we can do to dispose of mortality. So then this whole little booklet is full of we must First, turn our gaze in the right direction. We must form perfect models and thought. We must learn how mankind govern the body. We must reverse our feeble flutterings. 350 times, must, must. So you must not allow these thoughts into your thinking. Got it? Not even a little bit. You don't indulge in this jealousy. Oh, you know, she's got more than I. She's so be Whatever. Or he's got a wonderful house. No, you must not. Because when you do, you cloud the divine mind and you lose your ability to hear God's voice. What does must mean? Must. 
<laughs> it's a You've requirement. It's not an option. Yes, a necessity. <laughs> Eighteen twenty-eight. It says to be obliged, to be necessitated. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it. We have to do it. You have to do it. So if you're not doing it, then you get where you must do it. It's not optional. If you want to call yourself a Christian Scientist, if you want to stay in that divine mind, if you don't want your to get over into the mortal mind where everything's a mess, you're in the Adam dream. You've got to do it. Commandment. Yes, a commandment. <laughs> so, um, if you want to live life the way it was meant to be lived, if you want to have dominion over every problem that could ever confront you, if you want to be able to heal every illness that could come your way or attempt to come your way. You must. It's a loyalty to the one mind, really. I th that helps me when I think of it that way. To yeah. not allow any other means I've got to be loyal to the one mind. Thank you. That's so true. Because if you just do it out of a duty, uh, you know, like a must, <laughs> which, yeah, it's true. But it, it's your love for God and your love for the first commandment, yes, that enables you to do it to take this commandment and fulfill it. Thank you. So this is what keeps your yourself whole with God in the divine mind and not, not edging over into the mortal mind. And it's so easy, you know, you want to just indulge for a few minutes of some kind of erroneous thinking. <laughs> just have your little five-minute fit or whatever. <laughs> but... Um, I can remember, I've told this story too, I can remember I was in the kitchen, it was in a house we no longer live in, and those thoughts started pouring in, and I thought, I can't go down this path again. This has led to such misery and despair. I just, I'm not going to listen to you. And I'd been such a weak willy, and I just started singing that hymn, Rousey, Rousey, face <laughs> the foe. And I just started stomping around the kitchen singing that, and um that was the beginning of a great progress for me because I realized that this, this, even the slightest indulgence, self-pity, self-justification, self-love, all those adamant of errors, you don't want to go down there. Keep yourself pure in that one mind. And then it even, goes on. Even if you feel like you're justified. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes you know. especially. Even That's when. <laughs> give it to God. And Mr. Evans, bless his heart. Mm. He's, he, he's, he taught, and it was hard for me to get it at first. He said, if, if, someone, if someone accuses you of doing something that, that disturbs them, even if you didn't do it, Tell them that you're sorry, and then drop it. Tell them, tell them you're sorry. And if you didn't do it, you're not sorry because you did it, because you didn't do it. But you're sorry because they're disturbed. You're sorry. You're sorry if you, if you did anything to give anybody a disturbance or any impression. You're, you truly are sorry. That helped me tremendously, too, because I, I just... 
just say it, get it, get it. Then it's up to them whether they accept it or not. But you've done what you can. And, and of course, mean it sincerely. If you've caused any type of disturbance, even if it was misinterpreted, even if you thought you never did whatever it was, just I'm truly sorry for any, any problem this might have caused. That's wonderful. And that's uh, agree with your enemy quickly. Thank you. That's a good example of it. Yes. Yeah. And then you defuse the error. And you can move on with a clean slate. Because <laughs> the, the opposite is you put up a wall and then they put up a wall. And then right. And then it just <laughs> and then keeps, it going. keeps it going. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And then you're disturbed and you go to bed at night and you're disturbed and you usually don't sleep well. And then you wake up in the morning and you're still disturbed. And then there are more things that disturb you. And pretty soon you don't know who's who or what's what. And so, you're sick and you call your practitioner. Yeah, yeah. You have to unwind your snarls. <laughs> That's right. You got to unwind your snarls. So along with this, it with this ultimate freedom, once you don't accept those thoughts, then God's thoughts can come pouring through, pouring through, and that's they have to be replaced with the God thoughts. Yes. And she said that she posted that control thought all around her house, and that she's going to instruct maybe to get this book to local jails and and prisons which would be wonderful now Florence what what would you like to say about Parthen's post today which was excellent as well oh I just I, I thought he nailed it there I mean I don't have it right here I thought you were going to address it <laughs> no, I can and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot but yes he he talks about what we mentioned yesterday about um, the quote in Philippians about finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. He's talking about a powerful law of the universe that like produces like. So when you're entertaining the thoughts of God, good, you attract those into your experience. You manifest them. That's why it's so important to let God be your mind. The mind of Christ cannot be tampered with. Um, then he says, the great mistake of mortals is to suppose that man's man, God's image and likeness, is both matter and spirit, both good and evil. Now that's actually, that's Mrs. Eddy, Science and Health. And then... Bob says, why did Mrs. Eddy call it the great mistake instead of a great mistake? Because the law of life produces like is constantly in action every moment throughout the universe. Therefore, relativistic thinking that life is both good and bad, both truth and error, both right side up and upside down, both right and wrong, both blessing and cursing, both self-determination mentality and victimization mentality, will outpicture itself in a life of limitation, confusion, bondage to the world of the senses. The suffering that results from such contradictory thinking is activated automatically, impersonally, and is a major component of this great law, which is the schoolmaster that will eventually train the minds of all who dwell on earth to think according to the apostles' admonition. Healthy respect and holy reverence for the immutable law is the beginning of wisdom.
Amen. Keep yourself in the right mind, the divine mind. And, um, and it takes work. Sometimes it takes agony. It's not superficial that it's just so easy. You know, I thought of Jesus at Gethsemane. Think what he was facing. Think of how he had to purify his mind. And he was already pure. But didn't it say, didn't it say something like he, he sweated blood, right? Drops of blood. I also think this is so important because, you know, practically you you hear people, the very thing that you're trying to get, you know, to overcome, let's say, is somehow you're you're saying things. We We must watch what we're saying. You know, oh gosh, I got this is so bad. It's getting me so bad, and yet you're trying to overcome that very thing. You're making it so real in saying that this is the contradiction he's he's talking about. If God is is perfect, God perfect man, maybe it's better for us to just do our best to stay there. And I know I've been there myself. When it feels so bad, you want to say, "Oh God, this is so bad," but that's the very point where we can, if we can say, you know, uh, declare the truth. You know, the lie ab- about it kind of, you know, fades away. Thank you. Uh, it's absolutely true because, and that's why sometimes, you know, uh, writing a testimony, praising God, thinking of something other than this, because you have a problem, you end up building it up in your mind, even, okay, I'm going to work on this problem today. I, I'm going to look everything up in the concordance. I'm going to be working on this problem. Well, you're working on this problem, and this problem is just growing bigger and bigger. <laughs> you got to know you're going to be working on the truth today. You're going to be learning more about God today. You're going to get a greater understanding of Him today, and then the problem diminishes. Yeah. It's not to say the animal magnetism and then hold the animal magnetism as this evil that I'm fight, fighting against. It's uh, it, you know when people speak, it you, you get the contradiction. So. Uh, you know, which I'm sure, you know, in the certain stages you, you're not aware of, but it's so true what he's saying. We can't yay, yay, or nay, nay. Uh, yeah. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you, Florence. Mm-hmm. That is so important. That's how, have- you, that's how you do this work. You do it by arguing for the truth. And, and, and then rising up and above it all. And that's pages 390 to 393, which teach you that. But ultimately knowing it's utter nothingness. But at first, it takes takes some work. But just be careful you aren't arguing on the wrong side. That's that's a wrong watch. Who was trying to speak? Oh, that was me. I was going to say that, you know, been there, done that. And when you work on the problem so much, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? The problem begins to work more on you, and you get nowhere. It's like in a hamster wheel. Yes. Yeah. So Gary will end from Big Dell Young, but just before we do, I, I did want to mention Joanne's blog, which is a wonderful, that statement, mind is a source of all movement, and there is no inertia to retard or check its perpetual and harmonious action. And that's science and health in our lesson 283. She goes into a complete treatment, and it's so important because right now, I don't know whether it's your body or the economy or whatever would be trying to slow down. Mrs. Eddie says, no, mind is the source of all movement. And we'll stick with that one. 
So, okay. Bicknell Young. Bicknell Young, 1937 College, starting on page two in this book. Mind. Mind's demonstration of intelligence has never been reversed, interrupted, or impeded. Man's oneness with the intelligence and divine faculties of mind is forever demonstrated. A divine idea carries within itself the power to accomplish the divine purpose, and the responsibility of its unfoldment belongs to divine principle, who cares for each detail of its progressive being. All the qualities of God good are expressed in man, his reflection, and no one quality or function is missing or inactive. There is a vast wealth of ideas hidden to material sense, but ceaselessly flowing from God and available to all. Mind expresses itself in continuous activity, in harmony, joy, and infinite unfoldment, in ever self-renewal, in inexhaustible self-refreshment. Rely on mind to do everything. It is not a matter of what others may think. In the measure of our clearness, we are unassailable. The only mind there is, is right here, and we only need to claim it as ours to find how available God is to us. All of mind is present with all of its infinite possibilities, and that is the law to this occasion. Claim your divine right to understand it right now. It all belongs to you. Claim it and expect it. There is not a thing in the whole universe of truth that is not yours right now. Individual man has at his disposal the infinity of ideas to apprehend forever. There is no limit to the possibility of unfoldment. There is a power always available to you that is greater than any human power and superior to any combination of circumstances. The thought which is in accord with God is allied to omnipotence. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.